Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. Well, come on and give Jesus the praise. If he's done anything for you, bless his name. If he saved your soul, bless his name. Hallelujah. Well, look, I've been in Chicago 10 years, but I'm originally from Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, I got a lot of fish to fry and a little bit of time to do it. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we give reverence and honor to you. God, we say that you can do whatever you want to do with our time. So, Father, would you have your way in this place, not just in the edifice, but in our hearts, in our minds, in our bodies, in our spirits, dear God, in our earthly temples, dear God. Would you have your way right now in the name of Jesus? Lord, I thank you now for what you're going to do in advance. And I ask right now, as always, that you would lift every burden, loose every chain, bind every evil spirit, and destroy every yoke. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, get glory in this place. Can every blood bar believer say amen? Amen, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Well, let me just rush to express my gratitude to your pastors, Pastor Talent and Pastor Ty. Can you praise God for them? Amen. You know, the Bible says that good leadership is a blessing and bad leadership is a curse. And God has given you good leadership. So praise God for them. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am so excited to have my wife here with me today. Amber and my sister-in-law, uh, uh, Nikki, is here today. I praise God for them. And I am so excited to be here with you uh, to open God's word. Um you know, some of what Pastor Talley said is actually true. <laughs> I have. I've been preaching uh, almost 20 years. It'll be 20 years this year in November. Amen. 20 years. And I don't look like it. Amen. But I know it's weird having somebody that you don't know up here on a Sunday morning. Here's what I want you to know about me. I love Jesus. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. I believe that one day he's coming back for his church. And I believe the Bible and I believe every word in it is true. So with that being said, join me. My assignment will be found in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. This is a familiar passage. And I am hoping to uh, add message five. Uh, my good friend trusts me enough to do this, and uh, I am just absolutely humbled that he would. But this will be message five in a series that you're already in centered around the habits that you need to have a, not just a prosperous year, but a prosperous life. Can you say amen? Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter three, verses one through 13. I'm reading the NLT. It says, there is a time for everything. And everything on earth has its special season. There is a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to pull up plants. 
There is a time to kill and a time to heal. There's a time to destroy and a time to build. There's a time to cry and a time to laugh. There's a time to be sad and a time to dance. There's a time to throw away stones and there's a time to gather them. There's a time to hug and a time not to hug. There's a time to look for something and a time to stop looking for it. There's a time to keep things and a time to throw things away. There's a time to tear apart and a time to sew together. There's a time to be silent and a time to speak. There's a time to love and a time to hate. There is a time for war and a time for peace. Verse 9, do people really gain anything from their work? I saw the hard work God has given people to do. Verse 11, God has given them a desire to know the future. One translation says that he has set eternity in our hearts. He does everything just right and on time. But people can never actually completely understand what he is doing. Verse 12 is where my focus will be for this morning. So I realize that the best thing for them is to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Finally, verse 13, God wants all people to eat and drink and be happy in their work, which are gifts from God. I know it's a little churchy, but if you would, do me a favor and look at somebody and just say these words, enjoy yourself. Life is cyclical. It's going to happen. You can't prevent it. You might as well enjoy yourself. A rather comical story is often told of a flight carrying a pilot, a scientist, a little boy, and a pastor. And the unthinkable began to happen on this flight because they lost not one but both of the engines and they began to drastically lose altitude. The second problem on this plane was that there were only three parachutes before souls on board. And so, as you can imagine, they each began to make their case as to why individually they should be the one to get a parachute. And wouldn't you know it, the one who should have spoke up last began to speak up first, the pilot. He says, listen, I earn too much money flying jet airplanes and my uh, wife and my children depend on my income. And if I were to perish on this plane, they wouldn't have anyone to provide for them. And with that, he grabbed one of the parachutes and jumped out of the plane. Now there are three souls on board and there are two parachutes. Next, the scientist began to speak up. And he says, listen, I am too intelligent to perish on this plane. I, I have research that is yet to be shared with the world and the entire world won't be able to, to receive the benefit of all of my research uh, uh, and all the intelligence that God has given me. And with that, he grabbed the parachute and he jumped out of the plane. Now there are two souls on board, but there are only there's only one parachute. So finally, the pastor grabbed the final parachute and he kneeled down in front of the little boy. And he said to him, son, I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. You can't possibly take this from me. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay it down so you can pick it up. 
He said, there's only one requirement I have for you. I want you to remember that this is exactly what Jesus has done for all of mankind. And with that, the little boy shouted, I believe. And the pastor said, you do? And he said, yes, that scientist, he just grabbed my school supplies and jumped out of the plane. So now there are two souls on board and two parachutes. Won't he do it? Though this is a funny story, how many Christians today are like this pilot and scientist taking life's temporal work so seriously, missing out on doing something eternal? You see, our teacher this morning is Solomon, the king famous for his wisdom. In this passage, the tone of the teacher is frustration. He has had and experienced all that is in the world and all that the world has to offer. And his conclusion is this. All that is in the world is vanity and grasping for wind. So what does Solomon do? He deploys a poetical device called merism. It's an expression uh, using contrasting parts to indicate totality. So in this passage, what we see is these 14 pairs of opposites, seven couplets of undesirables paired with desirables. And he writes that each of these things has a specific time. But what time? What time? What kind of time is Solomon talking about? I'm glad you asked. You see, there are two primary Hebrew words for time. One is chronos. This one is simple. It just means that on January uh, the 29th at 10.30 uh, a.m., we decided to come to worship. You could put that on your calendar. You could see it on your watch. Chronos is just a specific time. But then there's another word called kairos. And kairos describes a specific convergence of events. In other words, these are the things that God brings to pass. You see, the reason you and I are here today is because God has brought some things to pass in your life. Can you say amen? You see, the word used in this passage of scripture is not chronos, it's kairos. This lets us know that when the writer says it's a time for everything, he's talking about God's time and not ours. You see, we decided to worship at 1030 on January 29th, but it was the grace of God that decided that we will still be here to experience it. You see, what, what, what happens in a Christ follower's life is that one point there is a radical collision with our chronos and God's kairos. See, you could decide to go to school after you graduate, but it was God that decided that your spouse would start that same semester. You see, we are here because we decided that on this day, Kronos, that we will worship, but God decided to keep the car accidents away from you. God decided to keep the sickness away from you. God decided to keep all of the things that could have prevented you from being here. And the word that God uses in this passage of scripture through our writer Solomon is not Kronos, it's Kairos. You see, part of the tension that every Christ follower faces is that God has each of us on a need-to-know basis. 
You see, it's daily bread. It ain't weekly bread. It ain't monthly bread. It ain't quarterly bread. The manufacturer designed us in such a way that he requires us and we depend upon him to get from him daily bread. Part of being a Christ follower is, is accepting the terms of daily. And while we're all trying to understand our place in this world, please understand this. We are doing so against the backdrop of God's eternity. And there's a Greek word that I feel really explains this. It's the word gnosko. It means that you know something, but you don't fully know it yet. It means in knowing you know. It means you go on to know. And the imagery we get here is of a banana. Because a banana is one of the most nutrient-rich foods in the world. But if you just peel back one layer and take a bite, you'll throw it away and, and deem it useless. Because it's going to be hard and coarse and bitter. But if you take the time to peel back all of the layers of the banana, glory to God, you get bananas, fosters, pancakes, you get banana nut muffins, you get banana pudding, you get stuff you put in your shake, you get something that is extremely valuable and edifying. See, I wanna throw my anchor overboard here for a second, because I planted a church and I know that there's, for the most part, two type of people that come to a church plant. People that are looking for community and those looking for opportunity. I'm preaching, but if I start meddling, let me know. See, those that are looking for a community, maybe you visited an established church and you saw that the cliques were already formed and the groups were already formed. And you said, well, maybe I'll go to All Nations of Roar since they're just starting. And maybe I'll be treated as, as an equal because this is a new community of believers. And then there are those of you that are here because you're looking for opportunities. Uh-huh, you feel like if I come to a new church, I'll be a big fish in a small pond. Maybe I'll get a title real quick. Maybe I'll get ordained real quick. And you are here because of opportunity. Some of us need to understand today that you don't get to hear one thing you don't like and decide I ain't going back to that church. If God has sent you here to build his kingdom in a roar, you got to peel back the layers. You got to continue to realize that I don't see everything the way that God sees it. And I have to take the time to peel back the layers. Now, let me give you some Bible. First Corinthians 13 and 12 says it like this. For now, we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I gnosko in part, but then shall I know even as I also am known. In other words, the writer is saying that if you just keep living and if you keep loving along the way, God will make his will known. You see, without the leading of the Holy Spirit, the things that happen to us in life lack meaning. And this is seen in the illustration of a popcorn kernel. Did you know that inside every single kernel of popcorn, there's a bit of a moisture. And when you apply heat to it, whether in a microwave or on a stove, it turns to steam. And then it gets to a point where it cannot contain what's on the inside of it. And it pops and it transforms into something that is, uh, can be enjoyed by everyone. Do you understand what I'm saying? That if you were to take those same kernels and not apply the heat to them and put them in your mouth, you're probably going to the dentist. 
But, but if you apply some heat to them and the moisture on the inside turns to steam and then they pop and turns into popcorn, now it's something that everybody can enjoy. Do you not understand that the heat, the pressure that is applied to you in your life is because the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, working something on the inside of you to transform you into something that'll be useful for the kingdom. See, God in his providential plans and control, he has an appropriate time and season for every activity. Can you accept that today? Can you accept the Bible is true today? That God in his providential plans and control has an appropriate time and season for every activity. Well, here it is. I told you that we know in part and we don't understand the omniscience of God. Here it is. The primary and principal message of the church is the love of God. Let me explain this backdrop of God's eternity to you. The primary and principal message of the church is the love of God. It's not the wrath of God. It's not the law of God. It's not the benefits of God. It's not the blessings of God. It's the love of God. So, one of my favorite preachers used to say, there's a certain psychology that goes with theology. Get the right mindset with the word of God. So when the Lord gives, it's because he loves us. When the Lord takes, it's because he loves us. Love is the trellis upon which all the character of God hangs. If he did it, he did it out of love. And if he allowed it, he allowed it out of love. No matter the outcome of the plans of your heart, never doubt. He loves us. Ecclesiastes says there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that has been planted, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to laugh and a time to cry. But none of these seasonal changes will ever make sense to us or have purpose apart from his unfailing love. Because God loves me, there's a time to plant. Because God loves me, there's a time to pluck. Because God loves me, there's a time to laugh. Because God loves me, there's a time to cry. But keep that in mind. Don't press delete on that just yet. Because there are some common misconceptions in this passage that we must address. You see, you have to remember that mirrorism is a poetical device using these contrasting opposites. Well, verse 2 is commonly misinterpreted as it's a time to born and a time to die. But a better rendering of this passage alerts us to this truth. There's a time to give birth and there's a time for miscarriage. Solomon's saying there's going to be a time where you're going to get a positive test and it's not going to result in a birth. Just ask any black female on your row how often black females suffer from infertility. How about the next verse? He says there's a time to plant, and the next thing he says is there's a time to pull up or pluck. We unfaithfully interpret this as there's a time to plant and there's a time to harvest. That ain't what the Bible is saying. He's saying there's a time to plant, and there's a time to uproot that which is no longer fruitful. 
Very different from a harvest. See, everybody wants to talk about a harvest, but how many people are okay with systems being uprooted and, and religion being uprooted and tradition being uprooted and mindsets being uprooted that are no longer fruitful? You thought those two were tough. Verse six is the hardest one. Common misconception. He says there's a time to search and a time to stop looking. Let me contemporize this for you. What Solomon is saying is there's an appropriate time to form a search and rescue team. And there's a time to tell the search and rescue team you can stop looking. How many of us, if it were our child, our niece, or our nephew, would trust God enough to tell the search and rescue team, it's all right, you can stop looking, she's with the Lord. Oh, these are the sermonic Brussels sprouts. Don't worry, it's going to get good in a second. Solomon says there's a time to search and there's a time to give up this loss. If we can accept life as it is and commit ourselves to enjoyment, even the hard times are bearable. You see, but as we press rewind and play Genesis chapter 3 and they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we see that the origin of alienation and human suffering is the desire to be like God. That's where it all goes wrong because he is the potter and we are the clay. How is it that the clay desires to understand why he adds on this side and subtracts on this side? How is it that the clay desires to know when the potter turns us this way? He drives us off in this direction and he waters us on this side. You see, show me a frustrated Christian and I'll show you a person who has a place in their life where they're still Lord. The next problem we see is that Solomon says that the work is not just an assignment, but it's also an affliction. If your assignment feels like an, a burden and an affliction, it's because it's supposed to. Solomon says that it's an affliction. Wilbur Wright, one of the fathers of modern aviation, he said this. A lot of people don't know this, but the Wright brothers were sons of a preacher. And he said that God showed me that man would one day fly. Watch this. And he afflicted me with the need to know how. They broke bones pushing raggedy, janky airplanes off of cliffs. They got bruises. They were bleeding. Uh, all of their contemporaries, their, 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 their peers ridiculed them and mocked them because these fools think that man will one day fly. But glory to God, because of their sacrifice, we ain't got to drive to California. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. This was an affliction of work given by God. It is an affliction and a burden to plant a church. Not just by Pastor Talent and Ty. It is a shared communal affliction and burden. Can you say amen? You see, whatever burden God has given you, he has also supplied the grace for it as well. But sometimes we think we're doing things God's way and we're missing out on something very, very important. Here's what I mean by this. You can be certain and still be incorrect. 
let me explain. Y'all, you know, I like to dress. And I was like, I looked at the website and I was like, man, I could wear a hoodie and jeans this morning. Glory to God. I'm, I'm excited. You know, I, 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 I iron my clothes. Amen. You know, I, I do. I, I will iron my clothes. And, and one day I got ready to go to work and it was business casual, pastor talent. And, and, and I put on my socks and my little dress shoes. I had my little, my little Kohans on. I had a little, little crease at the time. It was a while back. You know what I'm saying? I'm a little cardigan and stuff. You know, I'm walking up in there and I draw to work certain that I had on matching socks, worked half the day certain that I had on matching socks, and when I pushed back from my desk to go to lunch, and the, and the sun was shining through the window, I had on a navy blue sock and a black sock. My brothers and my sisters, I was certain, but incorrect. Where in your life today could you be certain, but incorrect? You see, when the Bible says that his conclusion is that we should enjoy ourselves as long as we live, watch this, it is not a suggestion, it's a command. He uses this language, this form of this verb over 16 times in the book of Ecclesiastes when he says, enjoy yourself, 16 times. He is not giving you some self-help advice. He is not telling you some self-improvement stuff. It's just like the command to rest. To rest in the Bible is not a suggestion. It is a command. Show me someone that refuses to rest. They think they're being disciplined. I say they're being disobedient. Because if you do not take the time to quit your work, your work will quit you. You see, this command of enjoyment is often overlooked. And some people think they're being disciplined by working 80 hours a week, but the Bible says they're being disobedient. So God understands that we cannot go through this life without times of enjoyment. He uses our mortality to humble the human race. The Bible says above all, Guard your heart above the issues of life. And what you don't understand is when you don't take times of enjoyment, when you don't take times of rest, these issues of life begin to stack up over and over again, bearing the burdens of life and work without prioritizing enjoyment will lead to burnout and confusion. It's not spiritual. It's being disobedient. Watch this. Uh, Pastor Tyler, I don't know anything about plumbing, but I know a little bit now. Why? Because I had a terrible plumbing disaster in my house. How could I know about plumbing? Because the entire system is behind the walls. I don't know what's behind my walls. I didn't put them there. But I know now <laughs> that in plumbing, you've got your sinks, your face folds, you've got your, your shower, and then these things run to something called a main stack. And then that main stack is where the toilet is. And all of that goes out and it exits the house. I now know that I have two stacks in my house. How do I know that? Because the one that's upstairs overflowed. And it damaged upstairs, it damaged the first floor, and it damaged the basement. And had I known that that was the issue, I could have avoided some costly problems, almost $10,000. I'm telling you right now that the Bible says above all, guard your stack. Guard your heart. 
everything flows through the heart. He says, for out of it flows the issues of life. And if this thing gets backed up, it's going to spill over into your career. It's going to spill over into how you interact with your spouse. It's going to spill over into how you spend your money. It's going to spill over into your ministry. It's going to spill over and damage some unnecessary things. See, Christians who don't enjoy themselves can be useful in the kingdom. Because you were born physically to live, but you were born again spiritually to love. Melancholy Christianity is oxymoronic. It doesn't make sense. You can't be a melancholy Christian. It doesn't make sense. Are y'all hearing me today? Let me give you some more words. Enthusiasm, the etymology of the word enthusiasm, it's in theos or in God. So it's impossible to be in God and not be excited about the things of God. The word literally means in God. So my enthusiasm can't be predicated on my outward circumstances because of the joy that God has put inside of us on the inside. How can it be that I'm saved and delivered from the power, the penalty, and the presence of sin and not have joy? How can it be that we are joint heirs with Christ and that all that Christ has and is will one day be ours and not have joy? How can it be that Jesus stepped out of eternity into time, clothed his divinity and our humanity and did for us what we can do for ourselves? He reconciled us to the Father and then I don't have joy when I think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me. My soul, I get happy. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Hallelujah. Solomon sums it up like this. He says, there's nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves for as long as we live. He says, there's nothing better. And I appreciate him, Pastor Talent, because I don't want a broke person telling me I don't need no money. This is Solomon, y'all. The king famous for his wisdom the, the king who was so lavish that when the queen of Sheba saw him, she said, man, this dude is rolling in dough. I, I want somebody with some money telling me, Ricky, don't worry about being a billionaire. That's not going to make you happy. It's like, okay, you got it so I, I, I can follow this, all right? Solomon says, I done had all of it. I will talk about the concubines, but that's risky business. Solomon. Solomon. He says, there's nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves for as long as we live. Two points and I'm in my seat. One, your outlook determines your outcome. Because he set eternity in our hearts, you and I will never be fully satisfied with our work or achievement. I want to I put you at rest and at peace this morning. It'll never be enough. That's hard to hear for some people because you feel like if I can just keep striving, if I could just keep going, if I could somehow, uh, even though I understand you presented a pretty powerful case that he uses merism, he uses these contrasting opposites. He says there is a time to mourn and there is a time to rejoice. There is a time to be born. There is a time to die. Uh, somehow I, I plan on avoiding the opposites. It'll never happen. Life is cyclical. And what does he say? Don't spend your time trying to understand the enigmas of life, rather trusting Jesus. 
You see, if you feel out of place, it's because you are. And we didn't come here to stay. We're just passing through. So Simon says, listen, do your work well, but remember, it ends when you do. Your outlook determines your outcome. I'll never forget, this story is true. As a pastor, he began a revival on Sundays. True story. He preached Sunday morning, preached his collar wet. They would say that in Jackson, Mississippi. That means he was sweating, okay? Preached his collar wet. Preached his collar wet Sunday night. Preached his collar wet again Monday. Monday, they fed him that cardiac arrest meal that they give preachers. Fried chicken, collard greens, macaroni and cheese, and all that kind of stuff. Look, I eat it too, but you can't eat that every single night. We're killing our preachers with some of them. And he died. He had a heart attack. Tuesday, they took food to his wife's house. And Wednesday, they finished the revival with another preacher. When you end, your work does too. It's like when I, my wife and I were uh, in Louisiana on Thanksgiving morning, what should have been a time of celebration and time of enjoyment, I was met with something that was very scary to me. I got up, went to the bathroom, took a shower, put my contacts in, and I came out of the bathroom and I told my wife, I said, babe, my eyes just will not focus. I said, I'm concerned. I wonder, do we need to go to urgent care? And you know what my wife said to me? She said, well, how do these jeans look on me? What? I just told you I may be possibly going blind. And your first response is, how are these curves? Are you kidding me? And so, you know, I'm the extrovert. She's the introvert. If anybody's going to get all upset, it's probably me. So she's like, dude, chill. Calm down, okay? Uh, uh, just go outside, get some fresh air. I'm sure your eyes are focused in a minute. So she goes in the bathroom, starts to get ready. I start, I'll go into one room, turn on the lights, turn off the lights. I still won't focus. I go outside. I look at the sun. My eyes won't still focus, and I go back in the room, and I'm being real dramatic now because I know I'm not the only husband that acts a fool when something doesn't go wrong. Your wife be calm. Can you say man? That's me. And I'm like, Amber, I think we need to go to uh, urgent care. And she said, I know why you can't see. She said, your contacts are in the blue case. Mine were in the green. Lean in just for a second. When you put on someone else's vision, things always seem worse than they really are. And you letting your auntie tell you when you should have a baby. You letting your girlfriend tell you when you should get married. But God has an appropriate time and season for every activity. Finally, be deliberate with enjoyment in your life. Your effectiveness in the kingdom depends on it. See, the pressures of life become unbearable for people who never enjoy themselves. And I, this is seen and understood in people who burn out in ministry, people who find themselves throwing in the towel too soon. And, and Solomon, I love his wisdom because he turns this thing toward reward. He says, what do people get for all of this work and all of this toil and all of this trouble and everything that they put up with on planet Earth? What is it that they get for the work that God gives man? And Solomon asks 
and answers his own questions. He says that God has set eternity in our hearts. And he asks the question, what does man get for all of his trouble? We shall receive a crown of life. Can you say amen? The Bible says that for they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Flowers bend from the beating rain, but they don't stay there. Uh, if you wait just a little while till the morning, uh, they get back up again. But they need the rain in order to be sustained. There may be some things that you feel are beating on you in your life. There may be some things that feel like you they have you bent over, but if you just hold on a little while until the morning, the Bible says, for weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. See, here, I believe Solomon is saying it like this. Don't lose heart over the man that left you because you're going to need your heart over the one that's coming. Don't lose your mind over the business you lost because you're going to need that mind for the business that you're going to run in the future. Don't, don't lose your mind over the house you lost because you're going to need that mind to decorate the new one that God will bless you with. See, I read in my Bible that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. So if it's not good, God's not done. See, a prescription separated to individual ingredients can kill. But if you put that same prescription together, it brings healing. And any single event in our life isolated will not make sense. But when we allow God to put it together, you see, you need to enjoy yourself. Take a vacation or, or interact with people who lift you up. Enjoy yourself. Make time for reflection and writing. Enjoy yourself because the cycles of life can be avoided. But the joys of life must be celebrated. As musicians play, I just want to share a final thought with you in your hearing. God uses time and mortality to humble the human race. God uses time and mortality to humble the human race. We are not invincible. We are not immortal. We did not come to stay. It may be offensive. We are not in control. As much as our brother in Texas told you, you can have your best life now. I don't want my best life now. I want my best life in all of eternity. Preach Brown, I'm doing the best I can. Listen at this. Thomas Watson said, eternity to the godly is a day that has no sunset. But eternity to those who are lost is a night that has no sunrise. If you feel burdened, if you feel afflicted, maybe, just maybe, God gave you that affliction. But the reason why we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ is because when we do, the burden maker becomes the burden bearer. And if that's you, if you're here today and you're saying, listen, the load that I'm carrying is frustrating. It's too much. I need you to understand that God when he says, enjoy yourself, enjoy the fruit of your labor, he says, these are gifts from God. But it doesn't feel like a gift when you don't have a relationship with the God of the burden. As you close your eyes and bow your heads today, I want to ask you that question. Are you someone today you need to allow God to go in your life from the burden maker to the burden bearer? 
Are you a person that says today, listen, I, I don't have times of enjoyment like I should. I'm not able to enjoy. Listen, part of the reason is because the greatest joy is the fact that you've received eternal life and you've received salvation. If that's you today, I want to pray for you right now. You are on the precipice of enjoying the greatest gift that you could ever receive. It's not a fancy car. It's not gold. It's not silver. It's not a fancy car. It's knowing that you will spend all of eternity with Jesus for the rest of all of eternity. If that's you, I want you to lift your hands up. I don't know what the protocol is here about salvation. But I want you to know the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, I see that hand on my left, God bless you, that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he raised from the dead, you shall be saved. It's not about you repeating after me because if there's not a connection between what the mouth confesses and what the heart believes, then nothing just happened. But if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. It's as simple as this, sorry, thank you, please. Lord, I'm sorry for the sins that I've done. Thank you for dying in my place on the cross. Now, please be Lord over my life, all the days of my life. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.